Welcome to Support Up Simplified, where we interview thought leaders in the great field of customer support operations to provide you with actionable insights from the brightest minds in the industry. And now, your host, Sid Bumbani, CEO of Sumati. All right, we're live. Um, Chris, really good to meet you um, and really excited to hear from you about your thoughts on customer experience and and how you kind of view the industry. Um, you know, I come from a, a, a tech background myself. So what I'm really curious about is how customer experience is one of those things that kind of transcends industries into some common elements that we can all congregate around and, and, and share uh, war stories and, and, and um, you know, uh, learnings on. So, you know, maybe as a starting point, um, if I can get you to introduce yourself a little bit and, and talk about how you got into the industry to begin with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I, um, I know I was super excited when I got the invite for this. Um, I'm, as I build my professional career and I'm coming up through the world, right, it's, it's having to find ways where I can get recognized to do these type of things, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in call centers. I'm a, I'm a creature. If you looked at my background on LinkedIn or anything, um, and you hopefully didn't get Pablo Escobar or anybody else, right? You found the real me. Uh, I'm definitely not the Cuban drug lord or anything like that. Nothing crazy. Um, even though I guess you seem to have the same amount of influence, though. So that's good. I, I get it all the time. It's like, all right, I'm, maybe I can use it to my advantage one day. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, I've been a creature of call centers and the member experience versus industries, right? So I span financial, insurance, uh, healthcare for a brief time. Um, my last company was a real estate company. I did a small product company for four years where that four years was a very pivotal point in my career. Uh, taught me a lot. My mentors actually, uh, when I met him there um, as well. And it's it's been this weird, like early on in my, my life, I wanted to actually be a teacher uh, in high school. I thought okay. that was really stupid because they don't get paid a lot. Uh, so we moved on. Uh, I thought about being a psychologist, which I love to talk. Mm-hmm. But now I realize I'd probably become an alcoholic because there'd be too many things I'm talking about. So <laughs> one of those two is going to happen. No, no offense to the therapist or psychologist out there. You'll do an amazing job. But I just figured out there's no way I could do it. Um, and then I was like, all right, I'll just I'll pick up a job wherever and just kind of go from there. Um, I started early on in retail. Like you're talking early 2000s. I worked for a clothing company, then Best Buy. Um, I was recruited at Best Buy. And my freshman, hey, you know, I think it was, oh man, was it, was Washington Mutual Bank. I couldn't remember the name there for a second. Um, And if you're familiar with anything with the U.S. banking industry, back in the early 2000s, the banks, you know, failed, real estate plummeted, the whole market crashed, buying out banks. Uh, But I was recruited out of Best Buy by somebody I sold a laptop to. And they were like, your skills are great. We want to take you, we want to mold you. So Washington Mutual was our very first introduction into the professional world that I had into call centers. And I latched onto it. I latched onto it like a leech. It just, it, it captivated me. It was it, in retail, like you can affect the member experience, but it's for only the demographic you handle within the region that you handle. Right. So example, best Buy location, you can only really affect the experience for the customers who are in that area who are going to go to that location, right? They go to a different yep. location. It could be different. I mean, yeah, it's the brand name, but even location, right? Like even right now, Planet Fitness, right? Like every club you go to should feel similar, but depending on who is there and the mood they're in, you could get a different greeting. There's a consistency aspect to it, yeah. Exactly, right? Whereas a call center, 
you can control it from end to end for the most part. I mean, granted, I always relate running a call center like running a daycare, right? All the little kids out there, and this is not a slight to anybody in a call center position, but it's emotional, right? It's an emotional-based mm. driven position. If I have a great day, their quality is really good and things go well. If they have a bad day or a bad call, things go south. So it's this constant balance of keeping them up. That that's a, that's I was a like, very, well, I want to become a teacher. So great, yeah. that, that fits into it. That's a very poignant observation, right? I mean, there's a couple of things you said that I want to pick up on and, and kind of drill into a little more. Uh, one was, you know, you wanted to be a teacher and then a psychologist. And if you really think about uh, a customer experience kind of aficionado or, or whatever you want to call it, it's a little bit of patience and trying to understand where people are coming from. So it's yeah. it's the perfect mix almost. And And, you know, then you start comparing it to a daycare and now you're talking about like being able to control people and and be able to work with them um so i think you know uh, you and i are are pretty similar in terms of the way we connect in terms of the soft skill aspect of things in terms of yes customer experience is about understanding people understanding where they're coming from being patient with them and helping them really get to the the crux of the problem to help them solve it um, I think one of the things that's really um, interesting to me is, you know, as we are in this day and age, what's the tech stack that enables you and your people to be able to do that? And how important is that to you, really? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I would say that if you put me back 10 years ago, right, and now what I know today, I don't understand how I survived back in the day. Mm-hmm. without the technology that I have today. And part of that is ne- is knowing the process, right? Knowing how to use it. But it, it, if I go back to even my early days at, if, heck, I'll even go back not even 10 years ago to USAA, um, you know, they're a very prestigious company and they pride themselves on being technology advanced, always pushing the envelope to find new ways so they can service their members, right? It's their whole bravado. And that's yep. great. And when I was there, they still were missing some of those things that I was like, look, if you gave us this information, if you built these fields, if you track these things, we can have more meaningful conversations, right? And without the right technology or the right partner to do that, it's a moot point, right? If I want to build here at Planet Fitness a report that shows me by cancellation reason, so I can speak to very specific customers a certain way, I would have to go through six or seven different platforms right now. I'd have to probably cut up Excel documents left and right, uh, which is a pain, right? Like I can't dedicate that amount of time. And my business size is 40-ish agents. I have a couple supervisors. I had a call center uh, analyst, but he recently left in the last couple of weeks and I'm not going to backfill it. So I really don't have the manpower to do that. So I need something like a CRM that's going to be able to collect all this data, right? For me. Now, a CRM can go so far. Right. Everyone thinks like Salesforce, for example, not dogging a name, but you know, they can collect all this data. Great. They can do that. They'll cut it up in reports. But then are they really going to be proactive in the sense of you know creating flags for different things? Hey, if one member is emailing you and they're cussing, are we picking up verbal cues that lead into uh well, what's the word? Uh, the the action that you want to be able to take on that. Yeah, but there's a, uh, yeah, why am I blanking on the word? Sediment, right? So is, is Salesforce looking at sediment and going, there's two different paths, right? Because if I'm upset, I can be upset for an instance or you're, I'm upset and you're going to lose me. Yep. 
the two different things I need to be able to break out. I can't sit there and listen to 5,000 calls or hope my quality uh, scorecards that are coming in from the teams have comments that lead me to that. that that's, that's a, a, that's a very interesting and very uh, perceptive way of looking at it, right? Because a lot of ways where people are looking at experience today, they're looking at KPIs and, and you started there, but quickly you evolve into, well, are those the right measures? So, yep. okay, I got to your call within five minutes and I handle it to a way that is appropriate for my business. How did that leave you feeling, right? So yep. in that sense, let me ask you, like, how, how do you, I mean, as a person, not as a company, like, what's your philosophy on, on measuring customer experience on a whole? And, and what are the components that kind of fall into it? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I did the interview with Alice not too long ago, and it's, it's, so if you have to put KPIs behind it, right, there's a couple different things you can obviously do, like customer satisfaction, things like that, but that only goes so far, right? Because what if I'm the lazy customer who gets a CSAT survey, and I'm like, great, 10, 10, 10, I don't care, yeah. or it's the opposite, and it's like, oh, I, I just don't care, you know, being that, like an example here at Planet Fitness would be, people hate that they cannot cancel over the phone, you have to go into the club. Mm. We will give you all the right information. We'll tell you exactly what to do, what to bring, so you're prepared. But when you go, this is what's going to happen. If I were to give you a CSAT survey and I go, how do we do today? You're going to be like, you sucked because you didn't solve the problem. Yeah, and you can't cure so apathy. We the information. We told you exactly what to do, but you sucked because you didn't handle it. Yeah. So am I fairly grading this? No, not really, right? So then what I start to look at is going, okay, if I have metrics in front of me such as uh, you know, call quality, which is sounds like it's one-sided to the agent side, but there's there's a secondary piece of this is knowing the agent itself themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Then I can go, okay, is there something wrong with the experience or the IVR? Then there's other things like IVR time, because what I don't want to do is front load an IVR, then you have to go through seven pass, and you're already upset by the time you hit an agent. Exactly, yeah. That's you know, by the time you reach an agent, you're already upset. So that's already an experience that you've created without even engaging with them. And now you have to recover from it, right? Yeah. And I get it. The world's going self-service and we're talking AIs and all that. But there's a point where you have to go, okay, if the experience we want to create is that, then fine. Have a five to six minute IVR time and put your SLA in place with that standard, right? Boom, done. Um, so if it's a situation, right, as a business, if you want to be geared towards, we want, uh, say, uh, five to six minute call times, right? IVR times, right? Because you want to be full self-service and have an agent there as a fail-safe. Fine, do that. That's not a problem. But then curve your expectations to that, right? Right. right. Set that experience up from the start. Um, so example would be like cable companies, right? When you call in and you want to get through somebody, almost everybody just says customer service, customer service, customer service. And it's just like, if that's what's going to happen, but if you want them to self-service, you should be telling them this is going to go to crap because then if they get to an agent, they're already going to be pissed off because they had to say customer service seven times, right? There's, there's memes upon memes about customer service, yeah, yeah, yeah. And mobile IVRs, right? Go out and just type, you know, customer service, IVR memes and boom, they'll pop up everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I saw one the other day was I said customer service and got sales. So it's like, all right. Um, a good example on the opposite of this is USA, and I, I'm using them because I work for them. I will always use them as a very high standard. It's very obvious when you call 
that they are going to push you to self-service, but it's not the only option, right? Right. So you can go through everything on your account, but at any time you can get through quickly to an agent. So it's right. this healthy balance. Whereas here, our focus is speaking to the member, making sure that they feel confident in what we're doing. So I want to reduce the number of options in our menu, right? I don't want seven layers down, 20 wide. Understood. I want to go four wide front, then I'll come into two or three, and then you get to an agent, right? So that's as simple as it can be. That that's that makes perfect sense. Let's let's shift gears a little bit though, because you know, I think one of the things that that we've always relegated ourselves to on the customer support and the customer experience side has been the speed to service, right? It's how fast can you get to people and how fast can you get answers? Let's take it a step further because from my perspective, one of the things that has been a big learning for me in my career has been the fact that customer service has always been um, uh, the entry point where we learn a lot from customers about their feelings, about the way they feel about a product, about feedback, and so on and so forth. How do you feel about being able to, or or being uh, in in a position where you are the sole receiver of such gold nuggets and and having that um, responsibility of making sure that that gets filtered through the right people in the organization? Because um, there's a there's a certain amount of of uh, power there, right? In in terms of being able to shape the business, um, have you seen that evolve over the years as you've been part of this industry? So there's yes and no, right? And and what I will say, it has evolved because I think what we're finally starting to realize, and this is what's astonishing me, is we don't keep up generationally with the, I mean, call it what it is, right? The kids coming up in the world, right? Mm-hmm. If I go back to Shit, 20 years ago, uh, again, mid, mid, early, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, right? You're talking YX kind of coming out into the millennials, right? It was all you want is the information up front, direct, tell me what to do, boom, 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 done, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. um, the cash handlers, as I kind of call them, right? Because it's yeah. cash in pocket. I do everything. I know what I'm doing. And we went through this funky transition in the 2000s where millennials were coming up. It's kind of happening. And then it was, okay, I want a little bit more info. But I really want to get to the point quick. So help me fast, but tell me what I need to know. Yeah. We're in this like transition again where it's touchy-feely, right? It's emotional driven. I want to call in and feel like I'm valued and not a number. Mm-hmm. That's why you see all credit card companies, banks, everything switching and trying to pivot quickly to, oh, uh, there's a credit card company, Amex, right? It's, oh, it doesn't matter what uh, level you are. You can get a dedicated agent anytime you call. That's nice, but then you got a staff to make sure you can handle that. Right. right? Because now you're it comes at a cost, right? No, yeah, exactly. Right. No wait time. It's it's funny you mentioned this. This this by far every time the last three companies I've been at, this is the number one conversation I will have within the first thirty days. It's interesting, sit, isn't it? I set the executive team down, my boss and everyone, and it happened here, and I go, "What do you want the goal to be?" Yeah. Before I got here, they were focused on what's called a call completion rate. It's kind of the opposite of abandoned rates because it's just the difference, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We want to answer 95% of the calls. I said, great. That is 5% abandoned, which, okay, are we talking raw? Are we talking within an SLA? And that blew their minds, right? Because they didn't know about a call center, which what's unique about here is we are the only call center within all of Planet Fitness. Our call center is bigger, actually, than the one headquarters has. I believe. I so see. we're doing something unique. So when I brought this up, and up until I got here, they kind of knew how we were doing, but they didn't understand the full scope of this. They were like, well, what do you mean? 
I'm like, well, if someone calls and it hangs up in a second, does that count against us? Like, what am I supposed to do if we if they hang up? Yeah. And it became this gigantic conversation in which I went, okay, I've got to really help them get there and then we can goal set. Understand right? the whole equation before you can exactly. solve it, right? Yeah. The second part of this was I said, okay, what's 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 the North Star that's driving us, right? And, and I share this kind of with Alice. It's what is driving us into our bigger mission, right? So there's the company mission, which affects everybody, right? Every employee, right? That's all of that. I was like, what we miss or are missing is this North Star for the department to have something to shoot for. How do they fit into the grand scheme of things? And then I can build around that. Mm-hmm. If it's, again, taking care of the member, right? Quality, uh, quality over quantity, consistency over complacency, then great. I can build metrics around that that speak to that. Call quality, occupancy, because I need you on the phone to answer the phone calls. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your handle time is, right? I don't care about that. But you've got to be on the phone. There are there there is one call metric that we do include, which is wrap up time. But yep. that's obvious, right? I need you to be fast after the call, not being lazy sitting there. So it's like, all right. But that's an operational metric as opposed to anything else, right? And and that's exactly. you're, you're driving some efficiencies out of it. Exactly. Yeah. So it was a it was a fun battle. That, <laughs> that, uh, and it, it's a war. Trust me, because again, it's. When it's when you explain the concept of an abandoned rate and mm-hmm. executives go, I want three like so at auction.com, my last company, a real estate company, the uh the VP of the department that I reported into was like, I want three percent raw. I went, Great, I need 20 more people. This is how much it's gonna cost you. And now you yeah. start balancing the business to see whether it's worth that investment or not. Yeah. No, I, I completely see your huh. point. And, like, and so let's let's kind of take this a little further, right? And let's say, okay, so here's where we are today. And, and you made a great point about the North Star. So let's talk about what is your vision of where the customer experience industry or the customer service industry would be in the next 10 years? And, and as kind of food for thought, I would throw out something where, you know, in my last position or, or even as, as a philosophy today, what if I threw this to you? If someone has to call you for service, you have already failed. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, give me give me your perspective on that. I mean, uh, I, I was just kind of throwing that out for uh, kind of framing the conversation. No, absolutely. That's 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 funny that you mentioned that, right? And this is kind of why all of this AI stuff is popping up, and it's it's trying to help service before you get there, right? And it, it's funny, even that I even think of you know, product returns and stuff, right? They don't even want you to hit the store. They want you to call first return product. Right. Yeah. Any product on inside the label, it's, hey, call us before you go back. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, granted, it is how do you stop the call, right? And so there's there's a there's a 50-50 split, right? The big worry in call centers is, is AI going to make call centers obsolete? No, it's never going to happen, right? There's exactly. always going to be some, some human touch point. Yeah. It will never happen. I don't care what anybody says. Um, human, human interaction. I'm with you on that 100%. But um, I, this, I absolutely agree. I think where we're going to be going towards is just that. It's as this new generation, again, I go back to generations, right? It's mm-hmm. we made this funny transition now into touchy-feely, right? kind of like a bell curve, right? Okay, I, so the down low is uh, give me the information fast. I don't care. Just tell me what to do. To yeah. I need to everything explained. Give me the touchy-feely stuff. We're going to start to make, just like we always do, right back. The pendulum's going to swing back. Exactly. I would say probably in the next 10 years, it becomes a, a mix of, 
I want to be able to access the information as fast as possible, which is we're kind of already there, right? With internet speeds growing, mm-hmm. 5G, all these faster ways to get it. With the ad, then with having that security of being able to speak to somebody. And that someone has my back and they can right. guide me through the process. Now, the who can be AI or somebody, right? At that point, it could be self-service. But it's that having that opportunity then to get to somebody or somewhere, right? If it's AI, if it's a product, like, hey, did you, funny as it sounds, right? I was in an air purification company. Um, <laughs> some service calls were something as simple as, did you make sure the plug on the back was all the way in? So I put the message, I mean, okay, you laugh, right? It is the, it's like the, in the tech world, what do you tell somebody when their computer is messing up? Restarted. It Did fixes 99% it? of the problems, right? Well, that was my mind. I'm like, come on. It's the same thing. Did you yeah. plug the damn power cord in? And what I saw was a drop in customer service calls by like 20% because it was mostly that. It was like, shit, the power cord. Or it was they didn't plug it in the wall or the power cord on the wall was messed up. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. But we're going to get there. Yeah, again, it's yeah. the bell curve. It's going to kick back. You know, eventually it will be tell me the information up front. And it, 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 what I also look at is the way marketing, this is kind of usually my key indicator, is what is marketing doing out with different companies, right? What is Coke doing? What are, what are McDonald's doing? What is Chick-fil-A? I'm looking at all these different big, gigantic retailers that can spend millions upon billions of dollars in this. Mm-hmm. I obviously can't. And go, okay, if they're starting to shift a certain way, do I need They're to kind of it? defining the path, right? Like that, exactly. that the retail industry is going to follow or, or many other are, are going to take cues from. Yep. Yep. Well, I that's mean, that's I a very pointed observation there. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the fitness industry, I can say we're near recession proof, but it's still the way that it's flowing that you have to just watch. It, yeah. It's always almost hand in hand. No, that makes, that makes full sense. So, You've been um, you've been through a bunch of industries, it seems like, right? And and you've you've kind of had the common thread of having a customer experience hat on through all of these. And I, this is one question I ask of every guest who's on this uh, on the show: is who was the one mentor? Um, and you don't have to name them if you don't want to. Uh, but who was the one mentor who you learned a lot from, and who's kind of molded you and your perspective on customer experience? For now and, and even for the long term. Yeah, I've uh, I've had one solid mentor, a couple here and there. Um, he's he's a, there's two that's a close second that I still communicate with this day, and, and we bounce ideas off on. But one, and I'll name him. I have no problem with it. He probably find it funny if he found this out. His name is Wade Zunker. Okay. Uh, he was at a at the product company where I was at. He was in charge of business. Um, I reported to him for about a year, year and a half, um, and he is a absolute genius when it comes to kind of what we've been talking about, right? And in terms of understanding the customer, meeting them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Alan, the, the product company I was at for four years, he um, solely was, I don't want to say solely responsible because I, I, when I reported my help, but he took their business onto Amazon somewhere where it was scary to do, right? It was, you don't really know how to navigate Amazon. Amazon navigates you. And yeah, he yeah. was able to finesse this relationship in a way where it was like, he was playing chess with them and he won. And that's okay. rare to do with Amazon. And <laughs> yeah. as I started to see these things, I was like, all right, Wade, like teach me these ways. Like, please, like, yeah, whatever. You, <laughs> you know, I'll classify you as whatever. Sensei. I think sensei is the right word for that, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. And uh, as he started to coach me, he, he would observe and he'd give me, you know, in the real feedback. But there's been a couple of like very key things that I still to this day 
take with me. And one of the first ones is I have to look at the person I'm speaking to or the team I'm speaking to and understand where they're at, whether they're in a child state of mind or adult state. Mm -hmm. And it took me a very, I won't say long time, but it just, it kept, I kept having to like falter, falter, and then finally started clicking. I was like, okay, this is, I need to like maneuver like this. Okay. This, if I do, okay. Um, it, it comes down to the concept and I, I kind of relate it back to the, uh, the daycare analogy. So my daughter, who's four, love her to death. Uh, she's my angel, sweet as can be, but damn, when she wakes up, I have to be <laughs> really on point to try to keep her happy and keep her in the four-year-old state of mind, not the one-year-old state of mind, right? Yeah. I want her to learn, be ready for school and be happy, not upset and all this other stuff. So I have to, I have to adjust the way I speak to her, the way I greet her. Yeah. It's the same thing with, with, with adults, right? It's if I wake up in a bad mood, like watch out. Okay. Not, not that bad. Not, okay, not that yeah. bad. Not that bad. But, but there's an analogy to be made over there between, you know, consumers being uh, very outspoken on social media, just like exactly. kids and, and, you know, being able to manage that in some way, in, in a way that you can deliver an experience, but also be able to manage the outcomes um, from, from both exactly. perspectives, right? Exactly. If someone's rational and they're in the adult state of mind, they're reasonable, they might be upset. Don't, don't, the emotion piece is still there. Mm-hmm. But if they're adult state of mind, you can speak to them, not yeah. at them, right? A child, yeah. you have to kind of speak at and with, but more at. An adult, you can speak more with little bit of at you don't speak to you don't speak at an adult, right but right? it's hey let's conversate let's talk through this if you're upset the whys the who's what's happening if you're a child it's no this is my sandbox you took my toy and i want it back and i want it now and it's like calm down let's take a step back i don't want to calm down right like <laughs> again i've taken thousands upon thousands of calls and i know those callers right they immediately trigger and i go child i know what to do i know how to position this and that's the training that I have to then push to the teams that I that I manage, right? And going, hey guys, so that that one concept alone has done wonders for me. That is awesome. That is awesome. In fact, I was just talking to someone over at lunch today, and they were saying, you know, there's only two jobs in the world. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a earth shattering revelation to me. And they're like, there's people who get new customers, and there's people who keep existing customers. You're either one or the other. I'm like, I know that's a very broad generalization, but it's is kind of true uh, in, in a lot of regards. You know what I mean? Especially in, in the context of the analogy that you provide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's definitely one. There's been there's been other ones, right? And I go back to consistency over complacency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had that one for quite a while. I, I had it before him, but he really kind of pushed it. Like, what is, what's the meaning behind it? Um, you know, if, if I'm talking through certain situations, like how do I look at this and, and be able to position that that way? Um, there's been a couple other ones, but that one definitely has been one of the most impactful things. Um, one of the, the funny ones is, um, at that product company, they use what's called a Sandler sales method. Um, it's a, it's a, an archaic sales method that has a bunch of steps, just like any sales method. Yeah. But there's one that me and him hovered on and we kind of taught ourselves, uh, this, and we both use it to this day and our, both our wives are insanely upset when they know we're doing it. Um, it's called what's setting up for a contract, right? It's where if I can get you to agree what I need you to. Sorry, say that again. It's setting up for a contract. Yeah, it's an upfront contract, right? So okay. if, if I need you to do something I, I, I want, or we can mutually agree upon, I put that in air quotes, because again, I want you to go a direction, right? Mm-hmm. Then if I can get you to agree to it, how are you going to deny it? Later? Right, right. So right. An example of this I do with my wife. 
all the time. Um, and she knows it now. So she gets upset when she pick it up. <laughs> Come on guys, like dinner. Number one hot topic. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Whatever you want to eat. And I'm like, Oh no, we're not doing this. Sweetheart. If I can get to a food group, will you agree to go anywhere? I want to go. Yes. Great. Mexican burgers, Italian. I'll start naming them. No, yeah. no, no pizza. Yes. Great. We're going here. We're going great. She hops and in the car. Say, oh, I don't like that restaurant. Nope. Nope. You, you can't do that. That's where we're going. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I hold her to that. And it's funny, like even in the business world, like if you think about it, you do that all the time with everyone you speak to, especially more so in coaching and engagement, yeah. right? It's set all the time in emails, in projects and requests. It's understanding that. And then if you can take it to that next step where you can actually like hold people accountable to it, which is where a lot of people falter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the greatest tool, but it's super simple. And I think that is the most poignant point at which we're going to end this recording is if you want to be able to get someone to agree to something, then Chris Escobar has a way to uh, get you there. Don't try it with your wives at home. That no. might, your mileage may vary um, as, yeah. as he shakes his head as we do. Or at the bar. Time. That's also probably not a good place. <laughs> or at the bar. I don't know if you want to tell a girl, hey, if, you, if I can get you to come home with me or you agree you're going to come home, that's probably not good. <laughs> That's not going to work. But but in a professional environment, in a customer exactly. experience environment, um, that's a fair bet. Exactly. Hey, Chris, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and, and sharing some of your experiences um, and, and your analogies more than anything else. I think we've gone from daycares to picking up uh, people at the bar and, and deciding what's for dinner. So I think uh, this has been uh, an all-encompassing tour of uh, everything that makes up the, the modern-day life. And thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, it was great. Now I'm hungry and I, and I need to figure out how to get home, not sleep on the couch tonight now. So. <laughs> Sounds I'll like uh, everyone's uh, Friday night problem uh, who's, who's married and has children, right? Yeah, so, exactly. No, I'm, I'm no, with you in that time. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, keep fighting the good fight and uh, I will uh, sync up with you soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Support Up Simplify with Sid Bambani of Sumati. Tune in next week for another interview with a customer support operations thought leader.